can't uh, do math for accounting. You can't, you know, you're not smart enough to be an engineer or something. And so all that's left is to go into ministry. And he said, uh, you, all of you are wrong. He said, ministers should be the most qualified, the most educated, the, the smartest people, the best people to go into the ministry and not, well, I can't do anything else, so I'm going to go into ministry kind of mentality. And, and that's the kind of, and so he was addressing a lot of that. And so uh, he wasn't always the most popular person uh, in the world when he would speak like that. And so, but, you know, he made it. And, and uh, of course, the movement has uh, been, been on for 300 years and um, uh, sometimes more successfully than others. You know, right now, of course, they're struggling with the whole idea of should we allow uh, homosexuals in the pulpit? Should we ordain them? Should we marry them? Uh, and... Um, which just seems like an, an amazingly obvious answer, right? No, I mean, you shouldn't spend more time than five seconds. No, you, no, we don't do that, you know, because the Bible has plenty to say about that topic, amen? It's just not even a difficult topic to know whether or not you should do that. Uh, and it doesn't mean you, you, you burn or shoot homosexuals when you see them, you know, just like anything else, just any other sin, whether they're lying, cheating, or stealing, or, you know, whatever they're doing, um, you know, you, you minister them. Uh, you hope that they hear the word of God. Um, and uh, uh, from, my, from my perspective, you know, if uh, a homosexual couple came in and they weren't disruptive and weren't trying to do anything except to listen, I'd let them stay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't bother me a bit. Uh, and and uh, if they start making out on the back row, you know, I'd probably have to say something about it. But if you start making out on the back row, I'm going to have to say something about it, right? I mean, that would be kind of disrespectful, amen? And so, uh, or if they start speaking up, you know, and disrupting the service. Uh, but, you know, if they just wanted to hear the word. I, I mean, didn't Jesus uh, let the sinners and the publicans hang around him all the time to listen to the word? Well, sure he did. Uh, and so, you know, there are people that are in sin that want to hear the word. And, uh, I mean, where else are they going to hear the word except for, you know, at a church primarily, right? I mean, they go to the street preachers, but the street preachers pretty much are going to bury them in hell. And so it's going to be hard to, to hear the good news of the gospel unless they go somewhere where they can hear that. So, um, so you know, it's just uh, um, uh, he, he led an interesting life, and um, uh, I'm not sure what his opinion would be of seeing some of the things that they're struggling with today, amen? But a, a lot of the, of course, a lot of the Methodist churches are leaving that organization for that reason because they can't agree and don't want to hook up with that type of mentality. Uh, but that's pretty common anytime any organization, anytime men get a hold of an organization, we talked about that not long ago, uh, that they will uh, not only burn it to the ground, they will completely leave the original intent and spirit of that organization, uh, and it will become something that was never intended to be. And, and um, when you're openly ordaining and, and uh, not only ordaining uh, homosexual ministers, but also uh, providing um, uh, weddings for homosexuals, you know, you really have gone a far, a far piece from the original intent of the founding, of the founder of the Methodist Church, amen? And we're not mad at anybody, we're not going to sit here and, and, and judge them all and tell them burn every church that does that, that's really between them and the Lord, but um, um, I think they're going to struggle because a lot of the churches that are just normal churches are like, we don't want any part of that, and so they've had thousands and thousands of Churches split off from the, the denomination and trying to reformulate a new Methodist denomination. And so that'll take years to work out uh, because the issue is not the doctrine. The issue is always the money, right? Well, who's going to pay for that building? Who's going to pay the debt on that building? Who's going to 
pay the salaries for all the retired people that uh, the organization is supporting. And so uh, it always gets down to money more than anything. And so, um, but we'll let them work that out. Amen. They haven't asked my opinion. So um, if they want to listen to the service, I guess they can find out my opinion. But uh, uh, how they deal with all that, you know, not any of my business, but they, they will struggle for a while trying to figure that out. Amen. So uh, why don't we pray and we'll get into the word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, as we approach your word, we approach it with the understanding that it's your spirit that guides us and teaches us, Father. It's not the words of men, it's the words of, of the spirit of God. And so, Father, we thank you for your spirit. We rely upon your spirit, Father, for instruction, revelation, wisdom, and understanding. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. So we got down to um, um, verse 17 where Paul said, Brethren, be followers together of me and, and mark them or, or uh, keep an eye on them or observe them uh, which uh, walk so as you have us for an example. Uh, and so uh, he's saying, you know, keep an eye on people that are good examples in the body of Christ. So if you're going to do that, then you, you will have to, not even on purpose, but, but uh, you will have to, as a result of doing that work, observe those who are not good examples, right? Because if you're going to find a good example, you may have to go through 20 people that are not a good example. Um, and that doesn't mean you're judging them, but, you know, uh, when he says to mark them, to observe them, what you're marking and observing is uh, their character, right? Are they following the word of God? Are they doing what they say? Uh, an easy way to do that is go to lunch with them and see how they treat the wait staff, right? Uh, and see, uh, we were talking uh, the other day about one minister, and, they, and um, I don't know them that well, but this one person did know them well, and they said they were out eating with them, and the waitress came over with a big uh, bowl of gravy and actually spilled the whole gravy bowl in the lap with this minister. And so <laughs> that's always a good test right there, right? What's going to happen? Uh, you know, does... Uh, does he just excoriate the, the waitress, or what do they do? And they said that uh, he looked at, at the waitress for just a minute, paused, and said, well, you know, these pants needed to go to the cleaners anyway. Uh, and, and so didn't make a big deal out of it. But um, I have been with many ministers who are very unkind to the waitstaff, you know, short with them, disrespectful to them, and, and treats them like, like they're um, kind of beneath them and not as good as them. Uh, and to me, it's kind of distasteful. And, you know, and, and the other thing that I do, you know, when, is even when we have guest ministers here, and of course, uh, I, I know a little bit about this, but I watch how they treat everyone except for me because they always treat me fine because, you know, I write checks, right? So they're going to treat me well. And that's not why they treat me well, but, you know, uh, you can't really use how they treat me as a good example of, of uh, their character. I see how they treat the sound man, right? I see how they treat... The person who uh, isn't talking to anybody, you know, are they going to go up and talk to this person who's not talking to anybody? Uh, are they trying to be friendly with the people in the church, or they just want to stand up here and, and preach and get a check and go home, right? And, and we had a minister years ago when I was, uh, of course, when I ran sound, uh, you know, I had a lot of ministers. My pastor would have a lot of ministers over the years. I was there 20 years, and, and the vast majority of ministers were wonderful people, kind people, very humble people. But on occasion, to get them, they're just so rude to, you know, especially me as a sound man, because sound men, I don't know, for whatever reason, people feel like they have a right to treat them poorly. Uh, and so just disrespectful, you know, one just kind of 
walked in the sound booth, started making changes to the soundboard that he knew nothing about, right? I mean, he may have known about sound, but he didn't know our sound, our equipment, our building, you know, those types of things. Um, and, um, uh, and then, you know, even say things, I, I don't even know if soundmen can be saved. Uh, and they would say things like that. Um, and, and so, and one minister, uh, you know, um, he got done preaching and it wasn't, uh, you know, sometimes, and, and I have observed it and, and been involved with it, sometimes if there's a really strong anointing during their service, you know, it's not good to be, it's not good to be around people at that time. It's good to just spend some time with the Lord to kind of, uh, to kind of get out of that because uh, the, it, maybe it's hard to explain sometimes, but, you know, if the Spirit of God is real strong in a, in a service, uh, it's not that you're decompressing, but, you know, Moses had to wear a, um, uh, he wore, wore a veil when he came down the, from the mountain. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes it's just helpful to just kind of get away after a service like that for just a few minutes. And, um, you know, I observed my, my pastor uh, that if it was a real strong anointing, you don't go up and ask him a question after the service because, you know, he may just tell you exactly what he thinks, right? Uh, in fact, uh, that we had one strong service here, and um, uh, right after the service, someone came up and asked me a question, and they were asking, uh, and they, it was just a real strong anointing that particular night, and um, they were asking a question about their job, and they had a they had a situation come up in their job, and um, uh, there's some they were going to lose their job, and um, and I said, so well, what what do you want? I mean. Well, I don't know, you know, well, uh, and, you know, and, and I wasn't trying to be short, but it's, well, you need to know what you want. You know, you can't just, well, Lord, do something. Uh, he only moves when we, when we tell him what our desires are, right? Uh, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, your desires, and you'll have them. Uh, and so I wasn't rude or short, but afterwards, Chris said, well, you know, you were really direct when you were talking to them. Uh, and so, you know, so, you know, there are times like that. In this particular case, that wasn't the case. It was just a regular kind of a, Wednesday night Bible study uh, meeting, but afterwards he walked out the door and he, and he said, hey, can you all uh, watch my book table and sell stuff and collect everything and pack everything up and bring it out to my truck when you're done? And, and so we did, and he was just out sitting on the back of his tail, tailgate of his truck, just not wanting to be around all of us riffraff, you know? And, and to me, that was real distasteful because like, well, you know, I mean, we, we never seen you before. We don't know you. It'd be nice to spend a minute to, to talk to you, you know, tell us about yourself, you know? Uh, and the, the message was fine. It wasn't anything bad or anything just um, uh, terrible at all. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I have seen uh, lots of ministers at restaurants just uh, mistreat people. And, um, uh, and even uh, uh, in relation to this, uh, he said to, to mark those that uh, have us as an example, right? So mark those who are walking like we're walking. And, um, uh, and so there are times when, when, you know, you see somebody, even if they're in the ministry, because he's not just talking about those in the ministry, he's talking about anybody who's walking as an example of a believer. Uh, but there, there are ministers that, you know, I just don't much want to be around. Uh, and, um, you know, it's not, uh, uh, it's not because I don't like the color of their hair or whatever they, you know, but, uh, but one particular minister, I, I was traveling with them and I was in the back seat of this. They drove this really nice vehicle. And he's driving, and so the minister's in the other front seat. And so the pastor said to him, he said, talk about his, you know, seven or $80,000 car. Well, you deserve this car because you're, you know, you're hard, you know, you're, you're, you work hard, you, you've done good, and you deserve this car. 
and I'm just thinking, you know, you know, if you were 12 years old, okay, you'd say something like that, right? But if you know anything about the Lord, all of us are deserving of hell, right? I mean, every human being on the earth is deserving of hell except for the grace of God, right? And so we deserve nothing, but we have everything. And, and if we, you know, that's the kind of the balance, right? I deserve nothing, but I've been given everything by grace and favor. And so I'm thankful for it and glad that I have it, but I, have, I don't deserve anything that I have. Uh, and so, you know, that is really odd that someone would say that and, oh, yeah, well, you know, it's okay, you know, I know, it's just, I'm such a humble servant of the Lord, you know, uh, and, um, uh, and so, and then later on, this particular minister was really b- big into, in this, in this context of this teaching, uh, there, there is a concept of spiritual sons, right? Remember Paul called Timothy, my son in the faith? It wasn't his actual son, it was just, you know, he helped bring, uh, Timothy into, he knew Timothy's uh, family, right? He knew his mother and his grandmother, uh, according to the word of God, and, uh, and apparently had something to do with bringing him into the kingdom of heaven and, and then help raise him up spiritually. And, and so he called him a son in the faith. Um, and that's fine, right? I mean, that's uh, nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's fine. Now, every, every relationship in the body of Christ is not, when he's talking about this right here, about marking those and following those, he's not talking about it as a spiritual son because you know, to me, that kind of implies that they've had a, a, a major impact on your spiritual life, either helped you bring into the kingdom of God or helped raise you up as a, as a Christian. Uh, and, and so that's not, you know, everybody's not going to hold that role for everybody that there is. And so, so you can take that out of balance. And that, that concept has gotten way out of balance about being spiritual sons, right? But you've got to be a, you've got to have, you've got to have a spiritual father or you're not going to be successful. And, and, uh, in fact, I was in one service with that same minister, and someone stood up who was another minister and was addressing the, the elder minister there and said, I, I wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for you. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, that, he hadn't died for nobody. He hadn't shed any blood for anybody. He didn't, you know, I mean, I mean uh, not, not to take away anything he's done, but, uh, you, you know, you, my success is not dependent on you. My success is only dependent on the Lord Jesus, amen? And the Lord Jesus that I see in you, which is fine, but, but I mean, uh, I don't worship anybody, you know? I don't worship any human being on the earth. And, and I just can't imagine saying I wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for you. I mean, where does that put the Lord Jesus, right? I mean, you know, uh, and, well, you know, of course, you know, they may throw the Lord Jesus into that, but they didn't at the time. And so, uh, so you know, it was, so they started seeing some things like that, right? And, and then... I started supporting going to some of the meetings. I'd find out they're having a meeting in Nashville, a meeting up in Kentucky somewhere or whatever, and I'd go to some of these meetings. And then, they, then that minister would get up and say, well, I'd like all my spiritual sons to come here, come up here, you know. And so sometimes everybody in the meeting was a spiritual son except for me. And they, then, then, they, then they got to where they said, well, you know, I like to thank all my spiritual sons for coming. And, and, uh, and Pastor Chip, you know, he's not one of my spiritual sons, but, you know, I'm glad that he's here. And then he started, so he started calling me out, you know, uh, for not being a spiritual son. And I'm like, I just, I just want to be here. I just, you know, I'm not trying to, I don't want, I don't want to position, you know. Uh, and look, I got no problem with, because he said mark those, right? So it's, it's spiritual and it's scriptural to follow people, right, in the sense of following their faith. But I'm not a cult. I'm not going to join a cult. I'm not going to, and I'm not saying they were a cult. I'm just saying that, you know, it makes me uncomfortable when you elevate what's a, what's a fairly minor doctrine in the Word of God above everything, that, that I can only be successful if I follow you. Well, it doesn't say that, that I can only be successful if I follow you. 
but I do know and understand that if you think that you have to be independent, that you're not going to be really successful because we need each other, right? We need the body of Christ. We need each other. And if you have no relationships in the body of Christ, I don't know that you're going to be successful because you need the body of Christ. Paul talks about that a lot in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we all have a part to play, amen? And so if we all have a part to play, that means you have a part in my life, I've got a part in your life. And, and if we keep it on a kind of an even level, then that's fine. But if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's a hierarchy that I have to be over you in order for that to be success, successful, you know, I just, uh, Brother Hagen talked a lot about that, about uh, there was a, a time when the doctrine, and it's a valuable doctrine, it's, it's correct doctrine about the, the uh, structure of authority in the church. You know, and so if you look at how the Lord God set things up, if you go to, uh, well, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 talks a little bit about that. Other chapters talk a little bit about that, about God the Father's number one, God the Son's next, God the Holy Spirit's after him. And they talk about that, right? That uh, everything is under Jesus except for the Father. Well, that means the Father's over Jesus, right? And, it, and that Jesus, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So that means, uh, and he said, the Holy Spirit's not going to say anything of himself. He's only going to say that which he hears. So he answers to Jesus. Uh, and then you've got in the local church, you've got the, the local pastor. So he's the highest authority in the local church. I'm not the pastor of the world, but I'm the pastor of this local church. So I have no authority over anybody else, but I've got authority in this physical location. I'm not your Holy Ghost, right? I don't have any authority over your spiritual life. I don't have any authority over you individually unless you're doing stuff in the church, right? So if you're cleaning the floor, then I have a right as the authority in the church. Well, I want it done this way. Well, I don't think it should be done this way. Well, that's fine that you have an opinion, but uh, we're not going to do your opinion. We're going to do it the way I want to do it, amen? And I'm not really, uh, you know, I'm not an ogre or anything, but uh, I've had people who have different opinions about how I should run the church not even asking how I think it should be run. They just, well, we're, we're going to run it this way. And, and, you know, I go out there and double check, make sure really my name is on the door. And, and um, actually, it's not on the door, but it is on the office over there. Uh, and, um, you know, nothing wrong with having an opinion, but, but when you think that your opinion should uh, carry the most weight when you don't have the authority in that situation, it is not a very wise standpoint, uh, stance to take. Uh, and so... So it just got to a point where, um, where I just had to separate myself from that particular minister just because uh, it, it didn't need to be about me. You know, I just wanted to go and support a meeting, wanted to be part of it, wanted to learn some things. But after a while, it's like, I, you know, I, can't, I, I, don't, I don't really have any interest in being that way. I'm not interested in having a following. I'm not interested in getting people to give me things, right? Oh, my son's got me this thing, right? I mean, you know... I'll, my source is the Lord Jesus. You are not my source, right? This church is not my source. My source is the Lord Jesus. The source for the ministry, for the money for this ministry is the Lord Jesus. It's not even the people, amen? I know that it's going to come primarily through you all, but if you all stop giving tomorrow, which, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that you all uh, are very generous in this ministry, but if you all stop giving, I, I'm, I'm believing the Lord. I'm not believing in you. So it's not personal, right? I'm just, well, well he doesn't believe in me. It's not personal. I, I don't believe in anybody. I believe only in the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, but I do find people, you know, just like with, uh, from a doctrinal standpoint, the Lord's always had me follow Brother Hagin, but I don't just follow Brother Hagin and that's it because he's gone. He's in heaven. He's not doing me any good today other than his doctrine he left me. So I do find people like Brother Randy and, and um, uh, Edwin Anderson, people like that, that uh, have been around longer than I have, know things more than I have have walked the walk, and, and I like being around people like that. I like being around people that have stayed the course for a long period of time, and, uh, not, and I don't want their things, 
you know, they have things that I don't have. Well, I don't want their things. I want their character. Uh, and so when you're, when you're marking them, observing them that are examples, you may observe people that are not examples. Yeah, don't do that, right? And that one minister, you know, in fact, uh, we were talking about uh, Dr. Dufresne. He passed away in October of 2013, and um, I was scheduled to go to Africa that, uh, that month. And so they had, a, um, they had a memorial service, and that memorial service was scheduled for the time that I was going to be in, um, in Africa. So I had to decide, well, what am I going to do? And I just thought about it. It's like, well, I mean, if I was Dr. Dufresne, which, of course, I wasn't, but if I was Dr. Dufresne, I'd be like, why are you going to go see a dead body instead of going minister to people that need to hear the word of God? Uh, I, I think, and, and, and I mean, I'd put a lot of money down on it that he would say, uh, don't waste your time coming to my memorial. Go see the people that need help. Go help the people that need help. Uh, and so, you know, I was just telling this group of people, but, you know, um, I'm not going to be able to make it to the memorial service because I'm, I'm going to go to, uh, to Africa. And that minister that I tell you, he was in that conversation. He got up and left. He was so mad at me because I wasn't going to go to, this, to, the, to the service. And I'm thinking, but I can guarantee you, Dr. Dufresne, if he was here, you know, in fact, I talked to his, um, he had a, uh, an administrator that I became good friends with. And I was just talking to him and said, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. He goes, oh, absolutely. He said, he would tell you a hundred times out of a hundred, you go to Africa, right? Don't come see my dead body. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I honored uh, Dr. Dufresne. I thought he, he was a, a great man of God. And, um, and he was one that I followed. You know, I, I, I liked his, uh, his faith. I liked uh, how bold he was in the Lord. I liked his character. Um, and, but he had a lot of stuff that I could care less about having. But I liked, I liked who he was in the Lord. But this one minister, you know, got to a point where I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be around that, you know. And, 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 and that's, you know, that, that the balance of that is t- tough because I'm not standing in judgment over him that he's not worthy of my presence or anything like that. It's just, I need somebody that's going to add to my life. And, uh, you know, he was what I consider, uh, you know, I honored him. I wouldn't disrespect him. Um, I did accidentally disrespect him, and maybe this was part of it. Uh, but one of his sons came to me that I knew and said, you know, um, I'm thinking about uh, moving my church. And um, I said, okay, well, you know, why are you going to move your church? Well, you know, I'm in a small town, and they won't support me. You know, when I have special meetings, they don't come out, and when I have special offerings, they don't give. And, you know, they just, uh, they just, uh, they're and he, you know, he just wasn't very kind about his own people, right? Uh, and I, so I'm just leaving. I don't like being there. Out in the middle of nowhere, I don't like being there. What do you think? And, and, and I'm thinking, well, what's that got to do with anything, right? What's, uh, did God call you there or not, right? Did the Lord send you there or did he not send you there? That's all that matters. And that's what I said. I said, well, all that really matters is what's the will of God. It doesn't matter whether they're all there or they're not there. What matters is, are you called to be there? Because if you're called to be there, then number one, uh, there is an eternal destiny for somebody to hear what you're saying in that location. Even if it's only two people, they're destined to hear what you have to say at that location by the will of God from before the foundation of the world. So I don't have a choice in the matter, right? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a choice. Wherever the Lord wants me to be, well, okay, then that's where I've got to be. What if you don't like where it is? 
you know, if you allow your emotions to get involved, then, then you would make a decision like that. But you have to get to a point in your life, especially as a minister, that, you know, my, my desires as far as uh, my approval of what God requests me to do is, is non-existent. Whatever the Lord asks me to do, my approval of that, it, it, it's not part of the equation, right? Hey, go there. Well, Lord, I don't, you know, uh, I don't like that town. That's not a good town. Send me somewhere else. I mean, that confidence would never happen, right? If the Lord says go, you go. I mean, that's, if you're going to follow the Lord really closely, then, then when he says to go, you go. And yes, sir, be glad to do it. Because uh, his blessings are only, on, only uh, when you obey him. Uh, and so, so I'm just really confused because I'm thinking, well, you're going to move your church, but you've not said a single thing about God spoke to you, right? Now, did God tell Jesus to go to Nazareth that time in, in Mark chapter 6? Was he successful there? Remember, he said that he could there do what? No mighty works, right? So he was sent there, and he was unsuccessful. And then he left. So, you know, the Lord may send you somewhere, even, and it may appear that you're unsuccessful. You may, you may be very successful. When, when uh, Dr. Dufresne, was, he, he started as a pastor, and he got to where his church was 1,000 members, and when it's 1,000 members, the Lord said, now it's time for you to go. So he went and was successful and then left. Jesus went, was unsuccessful as far as men would measure, right? I mean, he, it's never unsuccessful to do the will of God. You're always successful doing the will of God, regardless of what men measure, right? But as far as men would measure uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus in Nazareth, it was unsuccessful. And so he left, right, because, by the will of God. So uh, it's not that, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, God's going to have you doing that thing forever. You remember Paul was, was a prophet and teacher, and then the Lord said, now uh, separate me, Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I've called them, but he'd been in ministry for years, and he got moved from where he was to be in the position of an apostle. Uh, same thing with Philip. Remember, Philip started as a deacon, then became uh, an evangelist. So the Lord will move people around, you know, on occasion, and, and that's fine, right? No problem at all. But, you know, if, if Philip was going, you know, I'm tired of waiting tables. You know, get me his deacon job. I don't even like tables. It's messy. People's food. I mean, that, that, look, that right there, that came out of somebody's mouth. I don't want to touch that. That's gross. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not waiting tables no more. I'm going to be an evangelist. You know, that doesn't work that way, right? Now, uh, and I'm thankful that Philip didn't do that. He was promoted to the position of the evangelist. Uh, and so, so I'm just, you know, I'm a little concerned for this fellow because I know if you get out of the will of God, especially as a minister, because, you know, as a minister, uh, uh, well, uh, the Lord told us in his word that, uh, that teachers are under greater condemnation. Now, that just means we, we stand at a higher level of judgment because our words impact people, right? And so if it's just you and yourself and you're doing th- things that are wrong, whatever, and you, you know, you're just hurting yourself, well, that's terrible, and we don't want people to hurt themselves in, the, in their decisions that they make. But if they're not influencing people, then, you know, it's a shame, but, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But if you have the ability to impact dozens or hundreds or even thousands of people, well, then uh, that's a serious, the Lord takes that more serious, right, in the sense that, uh, uh, in that position. So let's all sign up to be teachers, you want to, right, teachers of the word. Uh, there's, greater, there's greater judgment, right? We have to stand uh, not only for our lives, but how we impacted other people's lives. Uh, and so... And I take that very seriously, right? I, I, think about, I think about that a lot. I, think about, I don't think about how you're going to accept what I say. I think about what the Lord Jesus is going to say about what I say. Uh, and so, uh, so if I don't say something that he wants me to say, that's, to me that's a lot graver concern than I don't think they're going to like what I say. 
you know, I, don't, I don't really think that way because now I don't have a, a goal to harm anybody or to, to, to um, disrespect anybody or to intentionally offend anybody. Uh, but, you know, I know that I have and, and uh, not, don't have that as a goal. So I was just a little concerned for this fellow because he's telling me he's only leaving because he doesn't like what he sees. Well, and so, so his spiritual father was the same fellow that I was talking about. And I, and I happened to see him at a conference not long after that and asked him if he had a minute to speak. And I said, hey, you know, none of my business, you know, uh, but uh, me and your spiritual son had, had a get-together, and he was telling me this. And I said, uh, he said he's going to move his church. And I said, my concern is he never said it was the will of God. He said it was just moving because he didn't like what he saw. And to me, that and had nothing to do, he, he never declared it had anything to do, anything to do with the will of God, and, and so that concerns me for him, so I'm concerned for him. And, and the minister said, well, it was my idea for him to move the church. Oh, man, you know. So now, you know, basically I'm telling this older elder minister that he's wrong. But he was wrong. I mean, you know, he, I, I, now if I'd known that, I would never have said anything because, you know, I, none of my business, Right. Because uh, I'm, I'm generally concerned. I'm still concerned because now this elder minister is telling him to do something, you know, that's not the will of God. And just because you don't like it, you want more money or you want more people or want more chair or whatever. I mean, that's not the motive. Is that my motivation in ministry? I, I mean, it's just, so that's a grave concern. So I'm thinking, well, if you're giving him that kind of counsel, that's not the kind of counsel I want to hear. I, you know, I don't want you telling me, you know, go find the biggest, you know, grass field and wherever the grass is greener, that's where you go. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, so I knew I stepped in it right then, you know, and you, and you didn't mean to step in it, but you did. And so it was really after that, that that relationship kind of went downhill, that he started calling me out publicly in his meetings and not being kind to me and those things. And, and I don't care. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I just, you know, I hate it for him that now I'm not in his life, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, you know, see, it wasn't about his doctrine because his doctrine was solid as far as I know, you know. I didn't really like the, the emphasis on spiritual son's part. I thought it was a little out of balance. But for the most part, his doctrine was fine. Uh, and, and so, but his character, I, you know, to be honest, I really couldn't follow his character. And to me, that's all that really matters is because who cares what you know? Biblically, right? Because we all can read, amen? And even, even if we don't have revelation from the Spirit of God, we can use our intelligence to figure out a few things. Uh, you know, that doesn't really matter to me. It matters to me is what are you living? Can you live... Philippians 4.17, right, Can you, or 3.17, are you living that? You know, you know are you living, uh, uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? Are you living, you know, uh, having childlike faith? It, you know, how are you living? That's what I want to know. I'm the, uh, before you tell me, in your doctrine, let's go to lunch. I'm going to see how you treat them, right? Before you, uh, let, me go, let me go to your house and see how you treat your wife, right? Let me go to your house and see how you, how you treat your children. And I'm not expecting perfection, amen? I mean, uh, you know, I know after a while, kids get to make their own decisions, amen? And so you can raise a child up perfect and they decide, well, they want to go sow some wild oats. You know, I know the word says that you raise a child up the way they should go when they're old and not depart from it, but they may visit some other place for a little while before they come back. And so that's not, I don't, well, they must have been a terrible parent. I wouldn't judge them that way. I don't know them. I went there every day they were raising their kids. Uh, but you, to me, uh, you know, I'm looking for people that have got great character. Because if you've got great character, your doctrine's going to be solid anyway. Uh, but, you know, people can espouse solid doctrine and have poor character. You know, people like that, I'm just, you know, um, you know, and, and I've told uh, one particular minister, 
you know, we were having a conversation. I said, well, you know, every time I've been around you, you've treated your wife poorly. And I don't usually say things like that. You know, it's pretty rare that I say that, but I did say that to that one minister. You know, you've treated, every time I've been around you, you're disrespected, not every single time, but, you know, a lot of times I was around them, I saw them disrespect their wife, right? Make fun of her in an unkind way in front of other people. Well, I don't want that, you know? I mean, because uh, First Peter, uh, in fact, uh, I think, for, was it First Peter chapter 3, verse 7? Um, First Peter... Uh, Chapter 3, verse 7 says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them, talking with your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Honor unto the wife. Well, I don't have to honor her. You know, she's my help me. You know, she answers to me. Uh, my Bible says I'm supposed to honor her as the weaker vessel. Well, in what way is your wife weaker than you? Uh, is, she, uh, is she weaker than you uh, mentally? I know a lot of wives who are way smarter than their husbands. Amen. I mean, just, you know, so it can't be that because, you know, that's not even just uh, makes walking around sense. What about in an arm wrestle? Are they weaker in an arm wrestle? I mean, I've seen some pretty hefty wives that can, you know, arm wrestle their husbands. But for the most part, you know, I mean, uh, generally speaking, that's not true. Right. Generally speaking, the husbands are stronger. uh, And so uh, from a physical standpoint, uh, what about spiritually? Uh, are men inherently stronger spiritually than, than women? Well, in fact, I've seen oftentimes that it's the exact opposite, right? So he's really talking about physically, right? He's talking about physically, because generally speaking, that's the only uh, way that a, a wife would be weaker than her husband, not spiritually, because she has the same Jesus that I have, uh, not mentally, because they have the same brain that we have. I know it does think differently, but it's just, you know, generally the same brain, right? It can hold a lot of information. Uh, and so I had a lot of uh, females working for me over the years, a lot of males working for me over the years. I really couldn't tell the difference intellectually between the two. Uh, a good one was good and a bad one was bad, just like uh, men, amen. So he's really just talking about uh, weaker physically. Um, so whether weaker emotionally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that women are weaker emotionally. They oftentimes will have different emotions than men, uh, but that doesn't, I, don't, I would not consider that weaker. Uh, and says, uh, honor them as, as uh, unto the weaker vessel and, and as being heirs together, equally of the grace of life. You know, my wife is just as much an heir of the grace of life and the things of God as I am. She's not below me. She's not beneath me. She's not less than me. She's equal to me. I didn't write this right. Paul, uh, Peter wrote this in, in particular. So I need to honor her as under the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And, and what's, the, what's the warning at the end of it? That your prayers be not hindered. Uh, and, um, and not that it really matters, but uh, I, I used that verse in my wedding, you know, 34 years ago uh, in, um, in August, it'll be 34 years, uh, because that's how serious I take that particular verse, that I have to honor my wife and treat her with honor and respect. And, you know... Uh, I mean, full disclosure, uh, I know that you probably think I'm the most, most amazing husband ever was. I've not always been perfect in that, right? I have had to grow in those things. And uh, as, uh, um, as the years have gone by, the Lord has really worked over me in that. Not that I ever was terrible about it, you know, uh, but still there's always room for improvement. Amen. Uh, and so, so that particular minister, I saw them mistreat their wife, right? Disrespect their wife, dishonor their wife. Well, when I see 1 Peter 3, 7, well, I, I don't want to follow that. You know, I want to follow somebody who's following 1 Peter 3, 7. 
who honors their wife, who speaks highly of their wife, right? I mean, you know, my wife and I, we got a great relationship. We rag on each other. We make fun of each other at times, but not out of disrespect, amen? Uh, and, and nothing wrong with having a, a, a good relationship like that. And over the years, people have, have thought our relationship was odd. You mean you talk to your wife about that? I mean, yeah, you know, they just thought it was really odd, you know? And I always thought we had a normal marriage until I realized, you know, normal means there's other people like you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and, and I've seen other people have good, good examples of good marriages, but I have seen other people who, uh, other ministers, in fact, I was at lunch or dinner with one minister, you know, and their wife, they were talking about things. Yeah, and and um, she was saying something, and the minister just rebuked her. No, that's not what I was talking about. You know, be quiet. <laughs> wow, you know, I just, I mean, I fear a rolling pin more than, you know, uh, too much to say something like that, right? Not that Chris would ever take a rolling pin after me, but, you know, the rolling pin of the Lord, if nothing else. Because, I mean, if I say, if I say with that tone, you know, I mean, especially in public like that, dishonor publicly, uh, you know, and she didn't seem like it was a big deal. I guess, you know, you know, people find their balance, you know, they find uh, what works for them. And so, but anyway, you know, um, if you're going to mark them, that means you're going to find those that won't, won't meet the mark is, what, is my point in that. Amen. And, and so do you go out and run them down? You go out and tell people don't follow that guy? No, you leave it alone. I just make note. Yeah, I can't follow that person anymore. You know, and, you know, follow them for a while. But after a while, it's like, you know, I can't. I can't follow them. So there's people that I've followed over the years, and then, and then after a while, it's like, you know, I, I've got to move on. Maybe for whatever reason, you know, uh, Brother Hagen, I've always followed him, his doctrine, and I've uh, been with Brother Randy now for, I guess, uh, 13 years. And, um, and the thing I love about Brother Randy is his character. You know, I see him at the restaurant. I see him, you know, outside the services. I see him, uh, you know, at the hotels and, and, uh, He's a man of character everywhere he goes, amen? And so that's, that's why I like him. Uh, and so, uh, and the, Lord's, the Lord has called me to, uh, to uh, be with him and to uh, do what, he, what Paul says here, to mark those that are an example. And so he's an example, you know. I hope one day I can grow up to be big as strong as he is, right? And I'd say that with some humor there, but, um, uh, but he has walked with the Lord for many years, amen? Uh, and, and then he shifts gears a little bit here, uh, verses 18 and 19. He says, for many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, and, uh, and he says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who, who mind earthly things. And so he said, you know, we're observing people, and now we have observed people that, that he said, many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they are now enemies of the cross. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there are those who followed the Lord for a while and now are direct enemies of the Lord, and they walked away. And, uh, and Paul says, you know, he starts out with whose end is destruction. And so he's not talking about just people that maybe backslid for a while or having a bad day, you know, people that have made a conscious decision to leave the Lord. And so uh, we need to talk about a couple of those things uh, related to that. Uh, but... Uh, so, so he's talking about before, you know, you mark those, follow them, a great example. He said, but there are those that, that are no longer even walking with the Lord. And he said, and I say this weeping. And so, you know, first of all, you know, if you observe people like that, that have, were once uh, strong followers of the Lord, and, and now, you know, I mean, it's like anything, you know, our, our uh, motto up there is to, is to uh, reach the lost and those that have lost their way, right? So we want to 
win those that have never known the Lord to the kingdom of heaven. But also there's a lot of people that, that uh, in fact, I was talking to someone uh, just the other day who he, he said he was going to this church for like three years. And then uh, one day they were all on like on a retreat or something. Uh, and, and he was saying something and they said, well, you're not even a member of our church. He said, what do you mean? I said, I've been here for three years. He, they said, well, you don't dress right. You can't be a member of our church. And, and you know, he, he's like, what, what are you talking about? You know, I'm, and so he hasn't been in church since then, right? And, um, and so I'm hoping, you know, coerce him to come here for some, you know. Uh, but see, he's lost his way. But, you know, he loves the Lord, right? Loves the word of God. But, you know, people treated him poorly. And, and now he's lost his way. Now, to me, it's like, you know, when I was with my pastor, I was there by the will of God. And I always said, you can't beat me to get me to leave because if I'm here by the will of God, you can say unkind things to me. I mean, just like at this church, you know, I'm called to be here. Well, what if you don't like it? It doesn't matter. What if you say bad things about me? You know, it doesn't matter. What if you say I'm a terrible pastor? Which I've been told I'm a terrible pastor. I'm still here, right? Uh, and so, you know, you really can't get rid of me or stuck with me till forever or until the Lord says it's time to, to change course and direction. And, and I'm not looking for anything, and I wasn't looking for anything before I came here. So when the Lord says change, you change, amen? Uh, and so, so that person has lost their way, right? Uh, and uh, now, so he, Paul's not talking about that. Because he still loves the Lord, right? There's a lot of people who are not going to church who love the Lord. You know, they just they just don't know how to get back. I mean, a lot of times it's so hard. You know, I, I was talking to one fellow one time. We were working on a roof, and he said it, he said it's so hard to go back to church. I used to go to church all the time. I said, I, he said, you know, something happened. I quit going to church. He said it's so hard to go back. And I looked at him. I said, no, it's not. You just go. And he looked at me like, you know, you're right. But he never did come back anyway. So. <laughs> so, but it's really not hard. I mean, you, in your mind, it's huge, right? I mean, that fellow there, the, those, in fact, those, both those fellows, it's such a, going back, it's such a huge barrier, that, you know, because they're probably thinking somebody's going to reject them or say something unkind to them again, you know, and they, just, they don't want to deal with that. Uh, and, and that's not who Paul's talking about. Right? He's talking about people that are enemies. He said, enemies of the cross. You know, I despise the Lord Jesus. He's not true. You know, all of it's a lie. Uh, the, and when they once knew him. Uh, and you really have to know him well enough to be able to even become this person, right? So baby Christians are not qualified to do this. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and so, but, but the thing that I appreciate about what, the way Paul is saying this, he says, until you even weeping, now tell you even weeping. So he's not mad at these people, right? A lot of the church, you hear them talk about sinners or people that you know, backslid from the Lord. And they're so mad at them, right? So judgmental against them, so harsh towards them. And Paul said we, his heart breaks for them, that they that they're, have followed a lie. Uh, and, and that's really, you know, for, for us as the church, we, we never need to treat people that leave the Lord with unkindness. We never need to be so judgmental and harsh towards people that have left the Lord. I, I know even with, with my pastor, we... We had, a terrible, uh, we had a terrible habit of when somebody left the church, right? Not left the Lord, but just left the church and went to somewhere else. Uh, we would just talk about them, gossip about them, you know, run them down. And I remember with this one, one couple in particular, uh, they were like elders of the church and then got crossways with the pastor. And, and I'm not even saying who's right or wrong in that. I didn't know the, the specifics of that. But someone saw them in town. Uh, and so I'm just listening to this conversation. Did you see so-and-so? Yeah, I saw them. They look so old. Did you see how old they looked? They look so old. And the other person said, yeah, well, that's what sin will do to you when you leave the church, you know. And I'm just like, you're all terrible people. 
terrible, you're horrible people, right? Because maybe she was having a bad day. Maybe her dog died, right? Or maybe her tulips didn't bloom or something. I mean, there might have been some reason for her looking that way. Maybe, you know, she ran out of makeup or, you know, I mean, who knows, right? It doesn't matter. But, this, but did they know that she was in sin? They, other than leaving the church? You know, because they, they thought, well, if you leave the church, it's sin. I had one person tell me, uh, is that if, if I leave my pastor's church, if you leave this church, you're going to die. <laughs> they told me that. Like a threat, you know, that's, that's what a cult does, right? And, and I said, no, I wouldn't. If I said, if the Lord tells me to go, I wouldn't die. Because if the Lord says to go, I would go. And I wouldn't die, you know. But see, that's what people, they use that, that pressure to either keep you, keep you there or to get you to stay. And, and look, if I've if I got to coerce you to stay, I mean, that's just, you know, uh, that's just manipulation. It's, it's cultish, amen? Uh, and, uh, and so... If you're here by the will of God, I shouldn't be able to. I shouldn't have to coerce you to stay, and I shouldn't even be able to beat you to leave either, right? If you're here by the will of God, and so, I mean, I've had people just leave because I said, uh, I know uh, one lady was, was uh, uh, she was coming to healing school, and um, she'd come, you know, not, not super uh, often, but you know, a fairly regular basis, and so we were talking, and, and she started talking about her husband, who was not well. She said, well, you know, I just think sometimes God wants you to be sick. You know, it's helpful to be sick. He teaches you some things, you know, how to be patient, how to be kind, you know. So sometimes God just wants you to be sick. So I'm just looking at her, right? I'm not saying anything. I'm not, you know, because a lot of times people out of politeness go, well, you know, you know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with that. I'm not hooking up with that. Uh, now, I'm not correcting her either because, you know, uh, not my job, right? If she wants to say stupid things, she can say stupid things. And so, so after a while, after telling me, you know, that God wants her husband to be sick, she looked at me and she said, you don't believe a word I'm saying, do I? <laughs> I said, no, ma'am, there's nothing you've said is in the Bible, you know. And she left and never came back. Now, I mean, I was right, you know. I wasn't trying to be right, but, you know, everything, she, I mean, she was accusing the Lord Jesus of, of basically murdering her husband, right? I mean, by, by intentionally inflicting a debilitating terminal illness upon him. Well, that's what murderers do, right? And so you're accusing the Lord Jesus of murdering your husband, and you're okay with that, but you're not okay with me saying, you know, that doesn't really line up with what he wrote right here, right? How dare you? I think the more how dare you is how dare you accuse the Lord of putting sickness on your husband. That's the more how dare you of the two, right? Uh, and so, um, so Paul, Paul said these things weeping. It, it broke his heart because he, he knew, he said, the end, he said, their end is destruction. And, you know, uh, he may have known that as a prophet, but he, you can also know these things just by the word of God, right? If you, if you are a mature Christian and you choose to leave the Lord Jesus and to walk away from things, you know, you may end up on the wrong side of eternity and end up in, in the region of the damned when you die. Uh, and so I wanted to read uh, verse 19 in another translation. It says, they are doomed. So the King James says, whose end is destruction. Uh, the Amplified Bible says, they are doomed and their fate is eternal misery, perdition. Their God is their stomach, their appetites, their sensuality, and the glory is in their shame, siding with earthly things and being uh, uh, earthy things and being of their party. Uh, and so, uh, we'll we'll talk about each of those things here in just in just a second. But the the thing that that amazes me is where Paul said um, that for many walk. So this was not one person, right? See, a lot. This has happened a lot. 
Well, this was 2,000 years ago. This was at the beginning of the church, right? This was just when the church was new around the world and, and millions of people were coming to the Lord in droves, right? I mean, all around the world, especially where Paul was preaching, probably, uh, no doubt it's hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions by the time you got all the other churches and all the other uh, church members proselytizing. Uh, it was sweeping the world by storm, right? Christianity was sweeping the world. And now if those that had walked with the Lord now have become the enemies of the, of the cross. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul is weeping for them. And he starts out with says, whose end is destruction. So I thought it'd be helpful. We've got a, a few minutes here. Let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5. So, you know, the, the whole concept of, of uh, once saved, always saved, and uh, that whole argument, you know, um, you know, there's basically kind of two, two uh, arguments. And then, of course, the truth is, is usually right in between. You, on the one hand, you've got the people that said every time you sin, if you die, you go straight to hell. There are people who believe that right now, that if you're a Christian, you're born again. And, and that, in fact, I was talking to them one time. They gave me this scenario. What if, if you're a Christian and you're driving down the road and you see like a woman in a bikini, this is their scenario, and you lust after her and then you hit a tree. It's like, Man, that's really specific. What kind of a tree was it? Uh, what if you hit a tree, uh, you die and go to hell. Really? Yeah, just meet straight to hell. Don't pass go, you know, straight to hell. Wow, man, that's, I mean, you know, first of all, that means that your salvation is barely hanging on. I mean, you barely are saved, right? I mean, you, you one small slip up and it's just over, right? And, and, and to me, that kind of doesn't give much credence to the power of the blood of Jesus, right? Because are we washing his blood? Yeah, but not a whole lot. I mean, just we're barely washing his blood, you know? Like his blood was, was pretty strong, but not that strong, right? I, like, I mean, that, to me, that's just really, uh, you know, it, that just uh, that doesn't show much regard for the blood of Jesus. Because first of all, uh, you got 1 John 1, 9, right? Which is written to the churches that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and, faithful and just to forgive you for sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So, but in their scenario, if you sin, then uh, you have to, confess your sins, and you get born again again. Well, that is not biblical, right? Born again is, is a one-time deal. Nobody's ever born again more than once. Nobody's ever saved more than once. Now, people all the times will go back and they may rededicate their life, you know, or they may think they were saved because they attend church and, you know, they never really were saved. And, you know, there's a lot of scenarios like that. But as far as, you know, you went down and you sincerely gave your heart to the Lord, that's a one-time deal. Uh, and, and it's really hard to mess that up. And so if you, if you sin uh, as a Christian, are you dying and going to hell? No, you're not dying and going to hell. You're, you're in 1 John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. He didn't say to cause you to be reborn again and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He didn't say to cause you to, to get a new spirit in you, right? In, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, it says that, that uh, if any man be in Christ, or 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So you're only a new creature when you become in Christ. So you get born again, uh, and that's for eternity. Uh, and if you sin between now and, and heaven, but you haven't lost your salvation, you're just, you know, you need to repent, amen? Uh, what if you don't repent? Well, then, then you missed out on whatever blessings the Lord desires to get you in your life at that point in time, but you haven't changed, you haven't changed your relationship with the Lord. You're still his son, you're his child, right? I mean, your children ever done something wrong? I mean, you know, like... Uh, I mean, Wade's only 10, but, you know, I don't know if he's done anything wrong yet. He's 10 months old, you know. Uh, but, uh, I mean, some of his diapers are near sin, right? I mean, you know, 
Oh, that's, I mean, right on the edge, right? I mean, that, I mean I, I'm pretty sure like that, that's sin. I mean, I don't know what that, that's sin right there, right? Uh, well, uh, are, are we all going to kick him out of the family? That's it. One more? No, I mean, you know, we'll deal with him, move on. You know, what, what, if, he, what if he does something wrong when he's three? We, we, move, we don't just like, okay, that's it, you're out of here. You're three years old, out on the street for you. No, no sane parent's going to do that, right? Uh, so, so even though they do wrong, it doesn't affect their position. They're still your child. Now, it may affect their, your relationship in that moment in the sense that there's some tension there, right? You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to see them for a while, but, but you don't disown them, amen? Uh, and so shouldn't the Lord at least be as good as we are as parents, amen? You ever disowned your children? I know some parents have, which seems uh, uh, crazy to me to ever think that they would do that. Uh, but uh, would the Lord do that? And so when you get born again, when you accept the Lord Jesus, that's for eternity. It's a one-time deal, amen? And if you sin, which 1 John 1, 9 implies that Christians are going to sin, right? There's a lot of scriptures that talk about lie not, right? Don't lie, right? Ephesians tells us quit lying and quit stealing, right? Ephesians talks about stealing and lying, and he's talking to the church. Well, is stealing and lying a sin? Well, sure. Did he ever say that you need to go get saved again because you're doing that? No, he said stop doing that. And so, you know, sin doesn't cause you to lose your salvation. Uh, and, and, I mean, we could go through a whole bunch of scriptures related to that. We're going to actually look at these scriptures here in 1 John chapter 5 because you've got the one hand over here that the smallest thing, you've lost your salvation. You've got to get saved again. Well, we're going to see where scriptures actually say you can't do that. But then you've got the other uh, extreme over here that once you're saved, you just live however you want to. And God doesn't care. You know, it doesn't matter. You just get forgiveness, you know, whatever. Um, and there's literally nothing you can do. Now, that scenario in that, in that regards, um, you know, every time you sin, First uh, John says that you have committed an act of unrighteousness because that, now that act of unrighteousness has to be cleansed out of your life. You haven't lost your salvation, but you've got to be re-cleansed. So uh, in, that, in that time frame when you're living that way, you're not advancing at all with the Lord, are you? You're in a position where you need to repent and, and, and restore that uh, fellowship with the Lord, not the relationship, but restore the fellowship. Uh, and so uh, if that's the case, you know, a lot of Christians, they live, you know, kind of sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent lives. Well, people like that, they, they never really grow up, right? They just, you know, just like, it, it, you know, children, right? They kind of grow up, they're kind of rowdy, you know, and, and disobedient and not very, you know, they just don't want to straighten up. And a lot of times it's their parents' fault because they won't, they won't teach them, right? In fact, uh, when Anne-Marie was like in first kindergarten, first grade, she was talking about this one kid at, at school and, and she was like, you know, Daddy, why, 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 are, why are they so mean? Why are they so unkind? And I said, I said well, I said, uh, it's really the parents' fault that they don't love them enough to discipline them. And she paused for a moment, looked at me, and she said, that is so sad, <laughs> which is true, right? Because if the parents don't love them enough to discipline them, right? I don't mean beating them. I just mean, you know, making sure that they straighten up. Well, they grow right into adulthood, and they never grow up, right? They're always being mean, ornery, stealing, lying, whatever. Uh, and, and they never grow up. Uh, and so they'll be that way till forever, a lot of times, unless they get born again and, and really get, let the Lord work on them. Well, it's the same thing in the church. A lot of Christians, they just never grow up. They're just sin and repent, sin and repent, you know, in and out of, in and out of church, in and out of the Lord, you know. Uh, 
as far as I'm not their judge, but they'll go to heaven. You know, they, they won't go with any treasures in heaven, right? Because they haven't grown up and done anything that's of value to the Lord. But they accepted the Lord Jesus at some point in time, got born again, because the only thing that qualifies you to go to heaven is accepting the Lord Jesus. And really the only thing that qualifies you not go to heaven is not accepting the Lord Jesus. But we in the church, we don't like that, so we want to add all these footnotes, right? Well, not accepting Jesus and also the woman with the bikini and also lying or cheating or stealing or also, you know, committing adultery or, you know, whatever. I mean, all these list of things. Amen. Uh, but the Bible doesn't support that. The Bible says once you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. And you cannot change that unless you reach this uh, specific scenario that we're talking about here in 1 John chapter 5. So uh, of the two scenarios, the second scenario is really closer to the truth where it's really hard to mess up your salvation. Amen. Now, if, if you really were born again, anybody, anybody looking to sin? You know, I mean, we don't need to raise a hand, right? But um, anybody's desire, Lord, more than anything, I can't wait to sin. Anybody, anybody? No, if you're, if you're born again, you're, Lord, I, I'm trying to do better every day. I think most Christians are that way, trying to do better every day. Amen. Trying to be more like the Lord, trying to sound like the Lord, act like the Lord, increase the, the, the roll call of heaven. I think most Christians are trying to do that. And then the people who, you know, I'm just trying to get away with as much as I can. I would have to question whether they were ever born again to begin with. Because when you got born again, you said, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I now confess Jesus as my Lord, Savior, Master, Chief in charge of my life. Well, if you really confess him as that, but you don't have any intention of him ever doing that, then was that a sincere uh, commitment, right? I don't mean that you're perfect in that, but, uh, you know... I'm going to get married, but I'm planning on cheating on my wife every day. Was that a real commitment? I mean, are you really, are you, did you really make a vow? I mean, you said words, but was it a sincere vow? I mean, no, right? Because, you know, you're planning on as soon as the vow's over, you're going to break the vow. Well, then you never really made the vow to begin with, right? You never, so uh, again, I'm nobody's judge, but if you tell me, you know, here's my plan, I would say, well, I I would have to suspect whether you're going to make it to heaven or not, right? Uh, And so, so uh, John is talking about here, because Paul said, whose end is destruction. So these are now people who are enemies of the cross. So we're not talking about backslidden Christians. Christians just got out of church. Christians just, you know, have a hard time serving the Lord, uh, who made a mistake here and there, uh, whatever it is. These are Christians who are now active enemies of the cross. And so Paul, uh, uh, John is talking here. He said, if any see his brother, so he's talking about Christians, right? If any see his brother sin to sin, which is not unto death. He shall ask, and the Lord shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. So this is an amazing verse right here, this first part of the verse, that if you see your brother as, as a child of God, right? Your brother, right? So not talking about your physical brother, he's talking about your spiritual brother, your uh, brother in Christ. Sin is sin, which is not unto death. He shall ask, and he shall give him life. That's in other words, he's gonna, he, uh, you can ask for the Lord to forgive your brother or sister in the Lord. Even if they never asked the Lord to forgive, to forgive themselves, you have the capacity to ask the Lord to forgive them uh, because you ask, which is an amazing thing, right? You know, you see, you see a, a, a Christian, you know, lie or cheat or commit adultery or something. Lord, I ask you to forgive them. I'm asking you to forgive them. And he said, he said, if you ask, he will, he will give them life, Zoe life, right? God kind of life. If, the, if it's a sin that's not unto death, he said, you have the capacity to ask. Uh, now, he says, uh, your brother, right? So it's not just some generic Christian somewhere that you don't even know. It's someone that you know, right? Someone that's close to you, uh, and, and you know they're going through something, and they're just struggling in their relationship with the Lord. You know, you can carry them on your faith for a certain amount of time, 
Amen. And that's a great blessing. It's a, they, may, they may never know it, but you have a great capacity to assist others spiritually without them even knowing it. Uh, and so uh, if you see your brother sin a sin, well, first of all, you have to have uh, the observation to observe that sin and, and to judge if that's a sin or not, right? Well, you can't judge me. Well, I'm not, I'm not judging you. The word is judging you, right? So if you lie, does the Bible say you shouldn't lie? Well, yeah, then am I judging you if I say you're lying? Well, no, I'm not judging you because the Bible says if you're lying or if I say that, you know, if you say you're lying and I say, well, that's a sin, well, don't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. The Word's judging you, right? If you're committing adultery uh, and you tell me I'm, that you're committing adultery and I say, well, that's a sin, well, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. The Lord has judged you. The Word has judged you. Amen? Now, if you, you know, if you're saying you're going, you know, doing something else, you know, there's some areas that I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, what if I decide, well, I remember that pastor I told you earlier, right? He decided to move his church. Well, is that a sin? That's between him and the Lord. Because there's no book, chapter, verses. Don't move your church ever, right? Paul went from church to church, right? Started churches here for a while, went somewhere else, started another church. Was that a sin? Well, I don't believe it was. Uh, and so, can I judge that? Is there any word that says, thou shalt not move your church? No. There's no Bible for that, so I just leave it alone. Now, based on what he told me, it, it appears to be a sin because he told me that it was only because of natural observations and had nothing to do with the will of God. But, you know, there may have been some aspect of his heart that the Lord told him to do that, and he, that he didn't express. And so I would leave that alone, right? Because uh, I'm not anybody's judge, but the Word of God is a judge, so the Word of God will tell us these things. So if, if you see your brother sin a sin, so we have the capacity to look at a situation and, and declare, well, that's a sin. But you can only judge that if it's, if it's covered in the Word of God. If it's not covered in the Word of God, well, then you've got to leave it alone, right? People all the time judging these, these uh, televangelists for having a jet airplane. Well, they shouldn't have a jet airplane. You got any book, chapter, and verse for that? Any? I mean, one, one, one thou shalt not have a jet? I mean, was it a twin jet, single jet? I mean, I don't know. Is there a limit? No. Well, you can't have a jet. Well, how about a turboprop? How about a propeller? How about a glider? Right? There's no engine at all, just wings. Is that Okay. Yeah, you can have a glider. Well, not an engine? No. Well, okay, one engine. Well, not, not, not a, 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 a dual prop engine? No, that, that's too much. Well, based on what? You know, I mean, where in the spectrum do you stop, right? Because they, they always say, well, you can't go past this point. Well, who made that point? There's no, that point doesn't exist in the Word of God. Amen? If it doesn't exist, then you leave it alone. And people say, well, you, you know, you can't pay your pastor too much. It's a sin. They're making too much money. Well, how much is too much money? A dollar? How about a dollar? Let's start low, right? A dollar. No, a dollar's fine, right? Okay, well, how about two? I'll get back to you. I mean, you know, two dollars may, may stretch some people's faith. Uh, is, there, is there any amount that's sin? I don't know of amount that's sin. Could it be sin? Well, it could be sin, right? But if there's no word of God in it, then that's between them and the Lord. Amen? So you just leave it alone. If there's no, if there's no word of God covering it, then you have no authority in that situation. So you leave it alone. I'm not praying for the televangelist. Lord, forgive them for them buying jet airplanes. That, no way. The Lord would be like, what? Did I tell you in my word somewhere? And, and it would be really unusual for the Lord to speak to me supernaturally. He said, well, I declare spiritually that that's a sin. Really? The Lord's going to tell me that I don't even, that, don't even know these people personally that it's a sin. That would be unlikely that the Lord would gossip about somebody like that. Amen? People do that all the time. Well, the Lord said it's a sin. Really? Uh, you got any book, chapter, verse to back that up at all? No. So, you, so there are a lot of things you just leave alone. But, you know, in, uh, 
really in a normal, in a normal course of your Christian life, you're going to see your brother sin a sin somewhere, right? You're going to see him get mad, maybe fly off the handle, maybe say, you know, a four-letter word, sometimes a five-letter word, you know, uh, and, and, you know, uh, and maybe they're so hot they, they, don't even, they don't even know they need to repent yet. Well, you can intervene and say, well, Lord, I, Lord, I, I saw them. Do, I'm asking you to forgive them, Lord. And he said, okay, I'll do that. No problem. He said, as long as it's not a sin, it's a sin unto death, right? Now, uh, what's a sin unto death? What, what kind of death is this? Well, it, well, it can't be talking about uh, physical death. Um, it, it's got to be talking about spiritual death. He said, there is a sin unto spiritual death. He said, I do not say that he shall pray for it. And so there's a sin that a Christian could commit that they cannot come back from. Uh, and so, uh, well, we're, we're about out of time, so we may have to leave you right there, and then we're going to leave you hanging, and we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about what that sin is and how do we observe it and how do we... Uh, because if it's, if it's the case... Now, look, uh, nobody in here is qualified to commit this sin. Amen? So don't go, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to come. You know, because there's a lot of people... In fact, I was, I was visiting a, uh, an insane asylum, and one person came up to me and said, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, no, you haven't. You're not qualified for that. I said, really? There's a lot of people in insane asylum who, who feel like they've committed the unpardonable sin. And I guarantee you, every one of those are not qualified to commit the unpardonable sin. Now, in really, the, the actual phrase, the unpardonable sin, it's not a biblical phrase, but uh, it is referenced similar to that in the Gospels. And it's not talking about Christians. It's talking about the Pharisees and the unpardonable sin. The only un- unpardonable sin that people will commit is never accepting Jesus. That is an unpardonable sin, right? Not accepting Jesus. This is not talking about that, right? This is talking about Christians. So only unchristians, uh, only non-Christians can commit the unpardonable sin, which is not accepting the Holy Spirit. But Christians can, can, can commit a sin of the death. Uh, and so we need to find out what the Word of God says about that so we know where we are, because we need to have confidence in our salvation. I mean, you don't have, need to have fear in your, in your salvation. That group of people who believe that if you commit a sin and, and, uh, and hit a tree and you're going to die and go to hell, uh, you know, it, their doctrine doesn't make any sense, because if you never commit a sin, you still don't know if you get to go to heaven. You won't know until you ring the doorbell at, at the pearly gates, and if Peter opens it, you're in. If Peter says, go away, man, I thought I was going to make it. I mean, that, that's their, they have no confidence in their, their salvation. You should have great confidence in your salvation. Amen. You should, I'm on my way to heaven. If I die, I'd go right there right now. Uh, and I believe that 100%. If I died right now, I'd go right to heaven. Amen. Even you, oh yeah, and there's going to be a lot of people who are surprised too, right? I can't believe you made it. Well, I was going to make it all along. Amen. And there's probably a few people who think you're not going to make it either. But, uh, you know, everybody in here is going to make it to heaven. If you died right now, you'd make it to heaven. Uh, but we need to find out, you know, is there a limit? We're not trying to find a limit, right? Some people are always, well, how far can I go? That, that's, 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 you know, that's not an exercise you want to try to pursue. How far can I sin before it's bad? Uh, because that's just, it's not going to end well for you. Amen? Uh, and, and there's some good examples in the New Testament that we can talk about. So we'll spend a little time in this because this is an area, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, misunderstanding in the Word of God. And a lot of people have philosophies and opinions about this. But let's see what the Word says. Because the Word, let's, let's judge by the Word. Amen? So, well, I, you know. Because, you know, I went round and round with one minister about a particular sin. Well, you know, if they commit that sin, they can't go to heaven. I said, really? That sin? Yeah, you can't go to heaven. You, what about this sin? Well, yeah, that's okay. Really? What's the difference? Is the blood of Jesus not more capable, less capable of this sin than that sin? I mean, that doesn't make any sense because the blood of Jesus is neutral, right? 
it covers sin. It washes away your sin. It doesn't say it washes away only these sins, right? It washes away all sins, murder, you know, everything. I mean, terrible sins that we don't even talk about. But, but the church loves to have, yeah, but we got a special list. If it's on the special list, these are especially bad sins that the blood of Jesus is not capable of washing away. Like, really? That's amazing. It's stupid, but it's amazing, right? Because it's not true. Uh, and so anybody want to commit a sin? This is not a license to commit sin, right? Uh, because more you, sin you commit, we're going to see, you know, where you could leave this earth early if you commit sins, still go to heaven. We're going to look at one, ex- one example in particular. That's a really uh, grave sin that I don't, I've never known anybody commit this sin. It's that bad of a sin covered in the word of God. And Paul said he's on his way to heaven. Uh, and, and the church would be like, no, there's no way. Because we love, to, we love to replace Jesus as the head of the church. If I'm the head of the church, they're not making it. I'm glad you're not the head of the church. Amen? And you should be glad I'm not the head of the church either because there'd be a lot of zapping going on, right? Like you can get them right there, right? You know? uh, and so, so we'll spend a little time in this because Paul is saying there's many that have done this, many that have now become enemies of the cross. Well, we sure don't want to become enemies of the cross. Amen? Uh, and so uh, uh, it, it's kind of a... It's kind of a serious subject, but, you know, from a doctrinal standpoint, it's a good subject because uh, the Word of God is very clear about these things. If we put the whole counsel of God together, we can see it, and it's not that hard to understand, amen? And yet, wars are fought. I mean, people that I respect highly are, are very in, in much disagreement with me, and I'm like, but I got the, I'm reading the Word, you know? And, and oh, no, you know, it's like... And so anyway, we'll, we'll look and see what it says. Amen. Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that uh, you have given us a great and an amazing uh, opportunity to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, that if we see them commit a sin, that we have the capacity to ask for you to give them life, Father. Zoe life, the God kind of life, Father. Even in the midst of that sin, you said you would do that, Father. And so you'll forgive them even because we ask you to do that. And so, Father, we thank you for your kindness that we have the ability to do that. And even if they never know it, Father, we can help restore them back to you, Father, so that you have the ability to grant them grace and peace and mercy and and gifts, Father, as you so desire, because we've prayed for our brothers and sisters. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. You know, in, in 1 John 5, 16... You know, there's a lot of people in the church when they see their brother sin a sin, uh, their, their attitude almost is like, God, get them. You know, well, they're just, you know, sowing reaping. They're just going to get what they've sowed. And the Lord said, yeah, but you can short circuit that and pray for them where they don't receive what they've sowed. Amen. Um, now, and instead of being so harsh against people, we should, uh, Lord, uh, uh, can they obtain mercy? Is it, uh, can I pray for them to, to receive forgiveness here? Uh, and the vast majority of the times, the answer would be yes, absolutely. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And um, so praise God. Well, Chris will be back with us uh, back in Dayton tomorrow night. And um, uh, happy birthday to, uh, uh, to John Wesley. And um, we have a church meal Sunday, right? Uh, and so was it soup and sandwiches? Is that right? Soup and sandwiches? So I like soup and sandwiches. You know, I could eat peanut butter and jelly. I, I mean, I've been eating peanut butter and jelly since I was like this. T- I still love peanut butter and jelly, you know. Uh, you go to Europe, they're like, that's the most disgusting food I've ever heard, you know. Peanut butter and jelly. It's like, well, you obviously have never had one. 
Amen. Anybody like peanut butter jelly? You know, I love peanut butter jelly. Now, see, you've got to make it like I make it. I make it like, you know, uh, I mean, Chris puts it, and she doesn't actually put peanut butter. She just, she just moves the bread over the peanut butter jar, you know, so it's like has a scent. You could smell the peanut butter on it, but you can't really taste it. I mean, you've got you to have where it sticks to your mouth, right, where you, you know, uh, and so uh, that's real peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, and so uh, my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are not for the faint of heart. You've got to be real man to eat one of my sandwiches, so. But that's all right. The Lord is good. Amen. So uh, uh, I probably won't make any for Sunday. So uh, you're on your own. Uh, but uh, we'll see you on Sunday. Be blessed and uh, uh, you're dismissed.